0: Attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan, and this is Quincy. Let's talk about the XFL because we need to. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about this. (laughs) Well, because we were we were talking about it first, and then we were like, "All right, wait, we should we should talk about this on the recording." So, what is your theory on why? At this point in his life and in his career, Vince McMahon is like, yeah, like I'm going to bring back the XFL. So listen,
1: as a a Tennessee native born and bred, I do have an affinity for the Memphis
0: Maniacs with an X. (laughs) Oh, the Maniacs, which they they were quite extreme back in, in 2001.
1: I don't remember anything about XFL besides it being boring as shit to me.
0: Oh yeah, no, about the XFL, I remember that uh, I had one kid in my class in the suburbs of Chicago who was uh, a big fan of the Chicago Enforcers, and (laughs) yeah, he he wore that Chicago Enforcers t-shirt like every day, I think, one semester, and also he was, I don't know, kind of like, all right, you know that kid that would like scrawl insane clown posse lyrics in his trapper? Yeah, Yeah. That was that kid that was he big chicago enforcers fan so like my um my theory about why vince mcmahon would be like you know what the world was fucking crying out for in 2018 is my failed novelty football league i'm pretty sure this is like he was like all hopped up on fox news one day like sucking on a a creatine lollipop in his home gym or whatever the fuck and he was like you know what I'm tired of is all the politics in football nowadays with players kneeling and respectfully protesting, and I'm going to do a league where they, like, have to stand up for the anthem. And then also have millions of
1: dollars. I think that's the whole thing, is it's going to be, like, conservative football.
0: Right, where it's like, you know what? We, we, we want to have football without any of the politics where all of the players are contractually forced to stand for the anthem of my empire. Um, no politics.
1: What I really want is them to take all the failed wrestlers from the Performance Center in <laughs> right. WWE and put them on the football. <laughs> so you take Dan Matha and um, Mojo Rawley. Right, Tino Sabatelli. And- <laughs> Roman Reigns, and you just make a a ragtag, ragamuffin football team with
0: them. Um, I would actually support the Bad News Bears as composed of NXT's talent runoff ditch. Where you just kind of like, all right, and now Marcus Louis and all of... Yeah.
1: Um, Angelo Dawson as quarterback. Angelo (laughs) Dawkins as quarterback.
0: Oh my god. See, Angelo Dawkins, he's got one of... His taunt is the most... Incomprehensible taunt to me, We're like I get that he's stirring something. I, he's stirring it up, I think. It. He's stirring it up. It, so, is it
1: Tino Sabatelli? Like he could be a good uh, linebacker? Oh, and, see, like, I, I, feel I, like, I, I think that would make it watchable.
0: Well, and like Tino Sabatelli always struck Oni me. Oni Lorcan. Oh, oh, which. Oh, Oni Larkin, which I, I always thought Tino Sabatelli was like this generation's Dino Bravo. Where it's like, he's boring as hell, but he's super Italian and has a great physique. Listen,
1: full disclosure. I have tickets to NXT um, this weekend. We're yes. recording this on a Thursday. Tino Savitilli will be there. He's a known
0: constant. Well, he's also... isn't. He, uh, wait, no. Was it him who... Was it he? Excuse me. Was it he who injured Hideo Itami, or was that his tag team partner?
1: Man, Hideo Itami is a um, fragile yes. crystal unicorn at this point.
0: He he needs he needs like a roadie whose job it is to keep him from walking into sharp cupboards.
1: Listen, what it is is uh my boy Kenta went so hard in Noah all those years uh-huh. that there's no, his bones are just um ground up uh you know glass. Uh, sand.
0: Yeah, he's it's basically Mr. Glass Mr. From, un, from M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. Like, he's just, and which also, I'm like, I'm glad he's in 205 Live now, and and having a go of it, and his entire thing now is being respected, I guess. Um, I mostly want him to kick everyone to death, and then I'm sad when that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it's only a shame that, uh, I was going to shoot on Enzo Amore, but we we're getting <laughs> in the weeds, so...
0: Yeah, listen, once you get into Enzo me. Amore, you're, you're well into the weeds. So what have you been reading and watching and doing this week?
1: Okay, I can't let Enzo Amore go, because I've been playing <laughs> right. WWE Champions, the mobile puzzle breaker game, mm-hmm. uh, for coming up on like a year now. And what drives me crazy is... They have, you know, stripped his decal off the tour buses. Uh They have scrubbed his name from the history books. Enzo Amore is done. Yeah. And yet, he is still a playable character on my puzzle game.
0: That's... Do you think it was just too much work to go in and, like, pry his digital poltergeist out of the game?
1: So Neville is also a very... has a very prominent role As well as As buyback, so I wonder if... I think WWE Champions is actually Vince McMahon's way of, like, rubbing it in all of these disgruntled employees' faces. (coughs) Like, their atonement in hell is being digitized and forced to uh, break do um, low blows for matching three blue gems in a row.
0: This is this is their purgatory. This is, listen, Marvelous Mark Mero, his soul has been trapped in the the digital matrix for decades now. Some say that you can still hear his voice. Um, so what yeah, have you so been you can... up to this week, Ryan? <laughs> um, well, this week uh, I have been finishing up uh, Smoke It's In Your Eyes by Caitlin uh, Doty who... Uh, is the greatest and I want to be her best friend. And then also, um, this was the week that uh, that terrible Friday the 13th, the game that I play all the time, uh, they just released their newest uh, map and newest Jason, which is uh, Roy Burns from Part 5. Um, which like, Which, if you're familiar in any way with the, and I use the word continuity as loosely here as I possibly can, the continuity of those movies that, like, Part 5 is where, you know... Jason is dead, and yet there's a guy in a hockey mask running around hedge-clipping kids in the eyeball, and it turns out that it's a guy called Roy? And for, like, the last, like, year or so of this game, that's been the running joke is, like, lol, when are they going to make Roy a playable character? And then they did. And now um, Roy is a playable <laughs> Fucking Roy! <laughs> Listen,
1: is Jason X playable
0: yet? Uh, not yet, but that's uh, that's apparently coming because they, they did this uh, virtual cabin thing where you could, like poke around through this giant cabin and unlock clues and learn trivia and stuff and if you did everything right um you unlocked a thing where you like walk through this big uh shiny hallway into a spaceship like control room and then uber jason from jason x comes out and kills you with a machete um so that's apparently coming as well as a uh grant like the the good ship grendel from jason x that's going to be a playable level and i'm fascinated to know how they're gonna do that because here's the thing i love this game because of how garbage it is and also because the devs um they are the bad news bears of devs <laughs> like god damn it they've got heart you know they're scrappy uh, i support them in all of their works but also they kind of can't get their shit together Is there a girl on the team? Oh, certainly not. No, no, no. A girl playing baseball. (laughs) There's nothing in the rules that says a girl can't be a game, Dev. Um, (laughs) I I mean, like, of course they've got, you know, like, uh, women who who voice um, counselors and stuff. Actually, you know, I might be talking out of my ass here. I don't know the makeup of uh, Gun Illphonics devs. There might be a woman working for them, but, um, I mean, it's a Friday the 13th game, and as a franchise pretty dude heavy. Uh, classically is is the Friday the 13th franchise. But so Roy is hilarious because like you're running around in this game. So um every all of the different Jasons that you can play as have a different weapon. Um like a different like ad, like an axe or uh, part 4 has a thing called a pig splitter which looks like a meat cleaver with a giant handle. And yes. It's 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 fucking great. And the funny thing is that uh, part 5 which just dropped, Roy his weapon of choice is hedge clippers. So, he's running around swinging hedge clippers wildly at people, like, knocking, like, bursting down doors with hedge clippers. And it's the funniest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. And then, because initially I was like, so wait, if you're chasing someone through the woods with hedge clippers and you're, like, hitting the melee button and trying to swing at them, are you just going to be, like, madly snipping at people? It's like, no, you just swing it it like it's a knife, basically.
1: That's weird because, you know, a knife has edges, and hedge clippers have edges, but they're
0: scissors, so... Right, right. And then, also, it's kind of cool because one of the grab kills is that, like, you separate the hedge clipper so that it's, like, two long spear-looking things, and you can, like, do a thing with it. So it's, it's I don't know, it's fun, and I appreciate that this garbage, garbage, garbage game built on a stupid franchise, which, by the way, we still have never done a Friday the 13th on this uh, podcast... Um, you know this is our 50th episode and <laughs> at this point it's like
1: we can't go back we can't no. do it now We no. need to just push it
0: like if we've made it 50 episodes. how far we
1: can go without doing one of
0: them <laughs> we've made it almost like 200 movies deep into this into this podcast and yet nary a friday the 13th and now at this point i feel like we would have to do a very special episode where we just shotgun all of them rapid fire we're, and then never talk about them again.
1: We're talking about doing that with some other franchise. Um, it's going to take a lot of preparation because usually I struggle to watch three. Mo- balance Home, Life, Work, and three movies a week. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Uh, it's a coming. I think we should do all of. Uh, we should do some franchise episodes where we just go insane and do, like, all of this.
0: Oh, all, yeah. all of that. Well, especially because we've been doing this for now over a year. Yeah. Which, this is our 50th episode. That's actually pretty Yeah, and pretty we spent notable. most of it, the first <laughs>
1: long bit, talking about fucking XFL. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, so on this our our historic 50th episode, we thought the best way to commemorate that was to shit on the XFL, really score some points on it.
1: No, no, I think it's very on brand for us to not talk about <laughs> horror on our horror podcast. Abs-
0: absolutely, which I, I feel like is is one of the one of the things we bring to the table that I appreciate is that we're like it's it's kind of about horror movies and ranking those horror movies on a list, but really it's just about yakking about some bullshit, you know. So let's talk about 2017's It. Yes. So, um, this was, uh, I saw, I got to go see this in theaters with um, Christina and my buddy, and, and Josh uh, Copeland and my buddy Anna, and it was so fun watching this movie with people who had never seen the 1990 miniseries and kind of didn't know what to expect.
1: I imagine it would be way better if you didn't know that
0: Tim Curry
1: was Pennywise.
0: Yeah, and now all right. So let's get into this. I so I um I'm a huge stan for the 1990 miniseries, and I will fight you. I think it's fucking great, and I think uh it I think people don't know how good they have it now. Um, but so the thing that I love is that Tim Curry and um Bill Skarsgård, I like that they both play very very different Pennywises and um, yes, because so and the thing that um, Christina noticed when we saw it was that like Bill Skarsgård, the way he plays Pennywise and that first scene with Georgie in the sewer, um, his sense of humor is the kind of sense of humor that might actually lure a kid into the sewer or into the woods or like, like because his sense of humor is like a child's sense of humor where yeah. you know he's like pop, 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 pop. And the kid's like, Haha, yeah, yeah. And then, but then he does that pause right after doing the pop, pop, pop it where you just see this weird seething hunger on his face and it's terrifying. Whereas you contrast that with Tim Curry's Pennywise and his Pennywise is like a dried up old queen just over it. Fucking crusty like, hey kid, like he's just, he's over it and it's great.
1: Yeah, I think what I really like about the Skarsgård Pennywise are the teeth.
0: Oh, Jesus,
1: those teeth. Just when he unhinges his jaw and just extra rows of teeth pop out.
0: Yeah, it looks like... Um, have you ever seen a, a, a video of a goblin shark? Yeah, yeah, he's a goblin yeah. shark. That's yeah.
1: what's so great about him. Yeah. And... Um, now, I felt like... Okay, so I loved this movie until I didn't. Right. There is, like... Nine tenths of this movie is amazing. It's Kids on Bikes. Ryan, I love Kids on Bikes. <laughs> it's so good. So fucking much. Hell yeah. I hope in when we look back on the past, like 2017, 2018, we're going to say that was the Kids on Bike renaissance. It oh, all yeah. came back. We revived it. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and like, I know there's a lot of Stranger Things haters. I like that show. Oh, it's so good. Because I like kids on bikes and i like stuff that feels like it's from the 80s i mean i primarily listen to synthwave that's right. the music i like so of course i'm gonna like kids on bikes movies sure i um, think where this movie starts to fall apart for me is it leans so heavily on cgi mm-hmm. but it's not good cgi
0: yeah i would yeah actually i think it depends
1: Elaborate.
0: Well, uh, because I, I think some of the CG is—I I can tell that, like, years from now, people are going to be looking back at this and kind of like, "Oh God, that's pretty cringe." Like, uh, like some of the bits where Pennywise is, um, like, like when they're in the sewer and there's a bunch of that wild bullshit happening. I think that's kind of CG overload.
1: Yeah, yeah. The floating kids, that's too much. Mm-hmm. The woman that Stan sees is looks like trash. Oh, it looks like garbage. Yeah, yeah and, that's and, bad and, design. That's awful.
0: Well, and also, and, and here's the thing, though. Like, I, uh, okay, so I uh, have read the book a bunch of times, and I love it, <clears throat> even for its, you know, ridiculous, horrible elements. Um, I really like the 1990 miniseries, and I think the thing that uh, It 2017 did that drove me crazy that I also spent a couple of days on the internet arguing with people about is that here's the thing. You can dress it up how you like. This movie damsels the fuck out of Bev like it does it's so fucking much it's fucking unforgivable to me because like Bev and and of course the way that um I've seen a lot of people try to defend it is that they're like yeah but she's the smartest and the bravest and the best so it makes sense that Pennywise would want to take her out of the game blah 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 and it's like okay that's fine she still gets damseled in a way that she didn't in any other adaptation where like that contrasted with the I don't know there's some really gross male gazy shit about the way Bev is shot in this also she is a literal child Um, and I, I get that, like, all of the, like, the Losers Club, they're all kind of in love with Bev, and I get that, but also you don't need those slow camera tilts up her body, like, get the fuck out of here, like, that contrasted with, like, also she got damseled and had to be saved, it ain't good.
1: Yeah, this is, like, Moonrise Kingdom level of why is there male gaze on this? barely pubescent
0: child right and don't get me wrong i'm glad that at least this movie didn't put in the sewer gangbang that was in the book um which by the way underage sewer gangbang i think that was just the uh uh, the power of stephen king in the 80s was that he could write some bullshit like that and none of his editors are going hey stephen hi quick question what the fuck and just like immediately throwing the manuscript at him and yelling okay so why does
1: Stephen King hate teenagers
0: so much? That's actually a great uh, thing. Um, with Stephen King, I Who think Who hurt it's... him? <laughs> I mean, Stephen King, I feel like that's, like, uh, the unifying thing in a lot of his work, is that teenagers, in general, are just shitheads. Um,
1: so, let's go down the list of Stephen King, uh, at least movie adaptations, that are, like... Treating, you know, teenagers treat people terribly. Uh, Carrie. You have have a knife-wielding psychopath.
0: Yep, Henry Bowers. You have Carrie. Uh, Carrie. Everyone everyone. in
1: Carrie. Everyone in Christine. Yeah, everyone in Christine. Everyone in Christine. Um, an entire town of psycho children in Children of the Corn. Right. Stand by me, shitty teenagers. Shitty teenagers. Uh, Pet Cemetery not as many shitty teens.
0: Well, no no, Pet Cemetery 2, oh. which
1: you know, that's not official Stephen King, but very shitty teen.
0: Does have Edward Furlong who is actually the shitty teen, I think, for his generation. <laughs> the shitty teen of a generation. <laughs> it's like everybody cried out as one, we need the shittiest teen, and then his little rat terrier voice was just like, "Ma'am!" And then he he burst full, like fully formed from Sarah Connor's head, like Athena from the head of Zeus.
1: Can we talk about how great Pet Cemetery Two is? And we yeah. really need to rewatch that.
0: Man, I without going into it too much, the one time that I met, um, uh, Clancy Brown, uh, it was very hard. Like, because he nodded, poli- like, like I met is a strong word. I I was like near him, and I nodded, and he nodded back. And apparently, he's just like a very nice man and a dad, and he's just like, hey, hello. Um, and I really just wanted to tell him, like. You gave me nightmares as a child in Pet Cemetery 2, and I wanna thank you for that?
1: Like Thank you for being a friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being yeah, it's like Golden Girls, only with nightmares about Clancy Brown. Um, man, that movie owns, and I kind of feel like it doesn't get enough credit.
1: Yeah, it it really doesn't. So do you think it the new it gets too much credit?
0: Um yes and no. Here's what it is. Um, I, I think that it came along at exactly the right time where we're kind of riding this huge wave of nostalgia right now where we're into that time period. Um, and also, uh, so I, the criticism that I've heard of Stranger Things that makes sense to me, um, is that like, you know, for some people it's hard to get into because it's a very boy centric show in a lot of ways. And so it's like, um you know, hey, it's young boys in the 1980s and all of their young boy stuff. And it's like, well, okay, it's like you're describing, like, if you're a woman, you know, outside of this, I, I can understand it being like, you're describing a party that I didn't get to go to. Because, um, like, that's that's Christina's critique of Stranger Things. And also she, I, I think, likes Stranger Things, right? It's fine. She kind of, eh, it's fine. Um, But I think that it's that we're, so we've it's got... It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, Eleven is also damseled pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, frequently. Um, And I think that it is good, but here's the thing. It's too goddamn long, and they fiddle with the mythology in ways that they shouldn't. For example, taking so Mike Hanlon, in the 1990 miniseries and in the book, he is the town historian. He's the one who learns about Derry and turns that into a weapon where he looks into the history of Derry. He, you know, interviews people. He, like, pieces stuff together They just take that and give it to Ben. And he gets to be the historian now. Like, the one black character in the thing, and you're just gonna, like, take away the one cool thing that he does. And then, knowing that apparently in It Part 2, the director was like, we're going to make Mike a junkie. Not an alcoholic, as he is in the book and is alluded to in the movie. Literally, he said, junkie. Which has some fucking gross connotations. Um, Also...
1: They're like, well, I-, I could also see them saying, well, we'll take away this historian role, but we'll give him the bolt gun.
0: Oh,
1: and then fuck. we'll also make him drop the one
0: cool thing about him. Right. And it, it uh, I don't know. Like, I think it's that. Um, we'll let it's the
1: hero a- pick up the bolt gun. Oh, Jesus.
0: I Now, and here's the thing, though. I really liked it 2017, but I feel like we and and here's the thing part of me wants to be like well maybe we're just in a drought of good horror movies right now um we're not we're, we're we don't want for good horror movies right now there are so many good horror movies it's not like yeah um it's not like it's taking place in the midst of a horror famine and we're all just desperate for cuz like scream i think is a fantastic movie but It had the distinction of being both, A, a really good movie, and then, B, it was in that post-80s, nobody-really-knows-what's-going-on-with-horror-right-now desert, where it felt huge because nothing else was really, I don't know, culturally standing out. Yeah. So, I
1: can't—it's almost like I can't put this above, like, most of the movies that came out last year.
0: Right. Because, first of all, Get Out, for fuck's sake— get
1: out tragedy girls which is the same kind of nostalgia vibe but also updated with you know kids these days and their cell phones but Mm -hmm. like does the same kind
0: of like emotional beats so much better right and and, uh, the the emotional beats of uh, 2017 when it's good it is so good like, yeah. like, when those emotional beats work. And I think the other thing that drove me crazy was that um, I feel like the movie didn't even have faith in its own emotional resonance at points. Because, like, with Bev, um, in the miniseries, and even in the book, it never literally says her father molests her. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they It's
1: like, I, we gotta add a molestation scene uh, to, to really drive her character.
0: Really hammer that point home. And, like, generally, my thing with child molestation scenes in movies, just don't, maybe. Like, just, yeah. Maybe don't. and also Do you because, need it?
1: Do you really need it?
0: <laughs> well, and like in the miniseries, it was like you would have like her father was creepy and clearly very emotionally controlling, but it never felt the need to literally show it happening. And I feel like at 2017, where it needed to be subtle and, and understated and quiet, it was like a brick bat to the teeth.
1: Yes, yes. It was, it's got some nice touches it's got some nice set dressing Mm -hmm. but it is very uneven
0: yeah and that and the other thing that drove me crazy about it 2017 uh richie tozier as played by uh, finn wolfhard which is of course the greatest name anyone has ever been given um his character drove me fucking crazy in it 2017 like i get it he's a yuckster and he's got to make three dick jokes a minute um I would say at about the 40-minute the mark, I was tired of hearing about Richie Tozer's penis.
1: Yeah, it got uh, pretty old pretty quick. Yeah, and, so,
0: like, and like, Finn Wolfhard is good in it. And, and, and But the thing is, the one line in here that worked perfectly was, and now I got to kill this fucking clown. Like, that moment got my theater to cheer, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, that was good. Mm-hmm. So
0: I'm looking at Mayhem, which came out the
1: same year. Um, and I would argue is a little uneven. Got some Uh really good ideas, got some really bad execution. Does really great casting an Asian-American man in a star role and doesn't make a huge deal about his ethnicity. Right. But also has a little bit too much dick and fart jokes in it.
0: Well, it has dick and fart jokes, and also it doesn't i don't know I, I the the internal logic of the movie is completely non-existent for me where like ah it's a thing that totally overrides your superego and except yeah, for
1: right now when it's, it's convenient to the plot
0: yeah 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 it's it's like he's basically just like a really annoyed guy the whole time like he never just you know it it never actually comes around to anything other than well he wanted to kill his boss anyway so this is convenient yeah so would you say it is better than mayhem or worse uh, now, I would say I think it's a little bit better than Mayhem because, for me, the moments of emotional resonance that worked totally worked. Like, yeah. like watching watching Ben interacting with Bev, like with the new Kids on the Block poster, and that, I, they really did find I think the perfect kids for these roles like, just Ben's little face where he's like, please don't tell the guys I like new kids on the block, like, or, you know, other moments in the movie where it really does, I don't know, because I'm, I'm I'm a mark for, like, and this cure is also...
1: on the soundtrack? <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, yeah, I'm a mark for the cure on the soundtrack. Also, um, I'm kind of a mark for, I, and this is a thing, I've been watching a lot of uh, uh, Ebert, uh, Siskel and Ebert clips from back in the day of them arguing, um, because it's, I, I love watching them interact, because I kind of hate Jane Siskel, but I kind of love him, and Gene Siskel's thing is that if a movie has kids in peril, he instantly gives it a thumbs down and hates it. He hates it if there are kids in peril because he's like, but it's a cheap way to raise the stakes. I don't want to watch kids in danger, which like, I think it can be done well or done poorly, but I don't know when the kids are in danger in this, it really did affect me. So I, I feel pretty good about it.
1: Yeah. It will not go above low life. I'm putting my foot down.
0: Oh, under no circumstances is this better than low life.
1: Yeah. So that's got to be number 81 then.
0: Yeah, number 81 between Mayhem and Low Life. I feel like that's a pretty good showing for a 2017 horror movie.
1: Yeah, I thought it would go way higher, but then I thought about the movie some more and decided
0: it Yeah. Yeah, I you know what it is? I think it's that um it's one of those movies that like while while you're watching it, later on, you know, when you're chewing it over, it's just a series of Now hold on a goddamn minute. And then it all falls apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the movie, it's like, okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah, I'll let it go. And then you're done with it, and the next day you're like,
0: uh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep,
0: yeah, can't abide that. Are
1: you ready for the the hottest take on this episode?
0: Yes. Yes. Episode fifty, historic episode, bring bring the noise. Psycho is too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah it is so explain what you mean by that though the ending
1: where they explain why norman bates is crazy Uh fucks it up it should have ended the scene before yeah like actually what like that's bad script writing to have a character who's brand new show up and explain the whole plot of the movie (laughs)
0: That's a really good point. Like As, I, if, I Alfred
1: like... Hitch- as, as if Alfred Hitchcock says, listen, dum-dums,
0: now I'm going to explain what <laughs> I'm doing here. Look how smart I am. Right. Actually, that's a fucking great point. And also, I, I don't know, because I love Psycho. I've seen it a million times, but I also don't... Now, here's the thing, right? I think that for the time, having the Marion Crane character and doing that thing where it's like, You know, you think she's the protagonist, and then partway through the thing, she gets killed. And then two different characters show up and start figuring things out. Like, I think for the time, that was really big. But, I don't know. Looking back at it now, it it feels, ah, gimmicky.
1: Look, the movie's fucking good.
0: It's Psycho. We all love Psycho.
1: Yeah, it's a good movie. And I actually do think it's really good, except for the ending.
0: Right. And now, I'm not even
1: saying like the the ending and the big reveal is bad. I'm saying the now that we've given you the big reveal, we have to sit down and explain it step by step and explain the whole movie that you just watched. That
0: makes sense. Although, um horrible admission uh, about the movie Psycho, I think Anthony Perkins is still hot even after the reveal. Yeah. Um he's he's just a beautiful man. And I which I also love that that was why Hitchcock wanted Anthony Perkins for the role of Norman Bates. Because he's got that, like, teen matinee idol, you know, look. And he had never done anything like this before. So you kind of didn't see it coming if you were a moviegoer during that time. Um, and apparently uh, Walt Disney hated Psycho. Um, he, like, refused to... I think there was an event or something that they wanted to do with Disney. And he was like, ah, I saw Psycho. That movie's disgusting. And they refused to have anything to do with it.
1: Uh, that's really good. Okay, so what's a better universal movie, uh, Bride of Frankenstein or Psycho?
0: Oh, okay, Friday Night Test. You've got, you got the Tombstone Pizza. you got the root beer. Are you watching Bride of Frankenstein or are you watching Psycho?
1: Okay, so Bride of Frankenstein is motherfucking Frankenstein. Right. But I find tonally Bride of Frankenstein is too silly and friday night test if i'm alone and i turned all the lights out psycho mm. really fits the mood
0: yeah and actually for me i feel i i want to put psycho above bright of frankenstein because of one thing the goddamn soundtrack
1: yeah yeah it is a master of sound design what is a better uh. um use of sound design um friday the 13th shower scene or um the Texas Chainsaw Massacre's uh, camera shutters and doors slamming and all of that.
0: Oh, man. That's. Wait, you mean Psycho's uh, shower scene? The Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Psycho's, you know, hey, 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 hey. And
0: then, or. Ooh, see, between that, I feel like I gotta go with Psycho. I, I feel like that's a more culturally resonant thing that everyone knows. What? Re, re, re. Like we listen, if that shows up in in a wrestler's theme music, like uh, Psycho said back in the day, which it did, if it makes it into a wrestler's theme music, it is well over on on a on a public level. Like this so, is part so part of the zeitgeist.
1: What is more zeitgeisty, the theme from Jaws or the shower scene uh, violin oh. notes from Psycho?
0: So the dudum or the reet ree. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, or
1: the hmm. Halloween Michael Myers synth music.
0: Man, which I feel like ringtones have kind of ruined that theme a little bit, but that's okay. Um, I, right, right. See, honestly, between that, the score from Psycho, I think it's that... And maybe it's because I'm in Friday the 13th Hell, but I feel like the score for psycho has been probably one of the most enduring influences on horror after psycho like everybody's ripping off that score whether or not they know they're doing it.
1: Yeah. Um, I would argue that John Carpenter at least now is more referenced. I think in 2017, Everyone is using Carpenter. I mean, literally oh, the yeah. Puppet Man was, let's take an old, unused Carpenter song
0: and build a movie around it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I would agree. And then also, I mean, like a movie and that we don't have John on- the John Carpenter drive by in a car. <laughs> well, and like a movie we don't have uh, have on the list yet, The Thing. The soundtrack to The Thing is yeah. honestly my favorite soundtrack ever. Like, I, it's perfect. It could not be more perfect for the setting, the characters, the action- like it, it's fucking outstanding. And then um, Halloween, I feel like the like the main theme is great, but we don't. I don't think we talk enough about the da dum, da dum, ben den 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 da da. Like it's ah, uh, the Halloween theme is better than the Psycho theme, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think the thing that I love so much about Halloween is that it is independent filmmaking at its best. Mm-hmm. It is. I got to figure out something yeah um hey john how do you want to do this shot i don't know throw a camera throw a mask over the camera (laughs) yes do it that way
0: oh yeah hey john
1: how do you want to what kind of music do you want uh give me a keyboard i'll bang something out real quick
0: (laughs) right like oh shit hey we don't have a lot of money how are we going to do this scene where he uh, gets shot a bunch of times and falls off the thing Uh, we'll just leave a bit up to the imagination and, uh, do a couple of quick cuts. Like, oh, okay. And this is also, by the way, with John Carpenter, this is how you make a masterpiece like The Thing is, again, you, you find somebody who's a good enough director that knows how to do angles and how to do lighting to make it literally look like a crawling crab head without, you know, because in the hands, in the hands of a worse director, everybody would be able to go, oh, I mean, that's a very cute prosthetic, but that's obviously a fake crab head.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um that's why I would argue that our ceiling is Halloween.
0: I would agree. Now, I also think that The Exorcist Tubular Bells is maybe also one of the most ripped off themes in all of horror? Yeah, yeah. Um I do think Psycho as a floor, I do think it's better than the than the Witch and I really love The Witch
1: yeah i was hard i I was having difficulty putting it in the top 10 because of ghost watch but i think it's it's inadmissible you can't say that psycho isn't like a an effective movie
0: oh yeah i mean like even watching like when i saw psycho for the first time even as like a jaded horror goblin that first scene where it's like an aerial shot of the top of the stairs and the detective like at the top of the stairs getting stabbed after norman comes out of the room and just strides over to him and stabs him like still made me yell in when i was like 19 yeah yeah
1: it's it's really good
0: yeah it's incredible and then also like and here's here's the fuck of it right so have you seen any of bates motel
1: no i haven't is it good
0: it is very very bad um but and and i I, josh uh, copeland described it as uh it's like the wire but in oregon and boring um where it's like there's a weird weed subplot and it's it's really really disappointing because like okay if i'm watching an adaptation of norman bates's backstory i want to see how he becomes the norman bates we know right like i i want to get in on the ground floor and watch that process and i feel like at the end of season one there should be a glimmer of oh fuck There it is. There's Norman. When he is down with doing some murder, like, two episodes in to season one. And it's just such a goddamn sadness. Did you see 2015's The
1: Boy with Rain Wilson?
0: I did. Man, that is more
1: psycho fanfic than the actual psycho bates motel
0: <laughs> yeah it, oh god actually i i don't know how to feel like about the, the
1: unlicensed malto meal movie it's <laughs> <is> closer <laughs> in tone than the actual property yes
0: but also it's like uh, yeah and and especially now the problem is also in the la area um earlier last year there were billboards for the final season of bates motel and such as the magic of that goddamn movie that the what was on the billboard was Norman Bates uh, standing behind a, a rocking chair with Norma in the chair, as played by Vera Farmiga, staring forward, and you this is the deft, like, this is what she, this is the chair she's in when she's seen on screen in, in Psycho, and I got a fucking chill looking at that billboard, because I remembered that movie, and even in the back of my mind going like, ah, but that show is but it's so bad but yeah. that it's still so, so enduring because of is, how fucking effective that reveal is. Yeah,
1: for real. And the effects for Norma is is still to this day like oh, top grade. So good. So is
0: Psycho better than Jaws? I do not think Psycho is better than Jaws. Yeah.
1: And I don't think Psycho is better than Get Out. No? And I know I have my rose-colored glasses on with Get Out, but maybe it's because I watched Get Out in the theater, it was active, but it kind of shook me in a way that I can't say, well, the ending of Get Out isn't very good, but I can say, (laughs) well, actually... You can doctor the script of, you know, I would actually recut the film this way and this way to make it better.
0: Right, you're looking at it going like, well, well the dandemois in Psycho is kind of dumb. Yeah,
1: it's it's because it's Hitchcock and he has the career that he does that he can get away with a character. Imagine being in a writing <laughs> workshop and someone brings in a screenplay where the motherfucker explains the whole movie
0: at the end of the, the script. Yep that's i of course you everybody in that class would be like dude like we we know you don't need that who is this who the fuck is this coming in to tell us like if yeah i think you're right if it had just cut straight from apprehending norman in the cellar to the norma monologue that closes it out before he smiles at the camera yeah yeah
1: you perfect. could cut that whole Psychologist rando who literally the first scene he's in is that one, and he <laughs> says, "Now let me tell you all the big." It's it's basically the um, Agatha Christie. We're all in the drawing room, and now I'm gonna tell you my deduction. Oh yeah, but it's exactly the what the movie is. isn't set up like that.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like it doesn't. It first of all it doesn't need that, and second of all it makes it less effective.
1: Yes, yes
0: Yeah, I would agree So, uh, I'm definitely putting it below Get Out Because I think Get Out produced more visceral Emotional responses for me than Psycho Psycho, I sort of sit back and nod And go, aha, yes There's the there's the root of this thing in horror That we all accept as a, a convention Because of Psycho And I get to nod and kind of, you know, scratch my beard Or whatever, and Get Out I was just uh, Gazing, like Slack-jawed For the entirety of its runtime
1: Yeah, yeah, Get Out is so engrossing That I don't stop to think about How it's put together I'm just, you know, carried away In pure, sublime entertainment
0: Yeah, and it gets even better When days later you're still chewing on it And everything makes sense When you're like, oh fuck Of course, his grandfather was defeated by Jesse Owens So of course in that body He's gonna be running late at night And you're just like Coming to all of these realizations after the fact, even after the emotional fucking gut punch you get from the first time you see Get Out. Yeah, yeah.
1: I will say Psycho is better than The Exorcist because it's
0: about something. Well, okay, that's not that's not to The Exorcist. <laughs> Zing. Um, yeah, yeah, well, because The Exorcist it is kind of a it's about stuff. You know, it's it's uh, uh, Ellen Burstyn is a single mom just trying to make it work, and she has a daughter she doesn't necessarily understand and. She's, you know, alone and scared with all of this stuff. We're dealing with um, the age of rationality, sort of making Catholicism look silly and Catholicism needing to find a way to remain relevant within that context. You've got all of that stuff, but let's be real here. Uh, It's the, it's not, uh, I don't know. That stuff isn't at the forefront the way Psycho, because I feel like The Exorcist is sort of like, yes, we're, you know, Catholicism. We need to, you know, have this conversation. Psycho is... Hitchcock a few drinks in leaning over the table and going listen here you little shit (laughs) and just giving you this fucking nightmare uh, psychosexual uh, experience that I think is more effective than what The Exorcist does yeah and just on a technical level the shower scene is immaculately shot it's perfect filmmaking it's perfect and also uh, all of like everything leading up to the shower scene with Marion Crane I think that's some of the tensest I've ever been watching a movie where she's trying to get away with the money.
1: Yeah, and the cop who's just following her because he's on patrol, and you know he doesn't actually know, but she is she's convinced that he does know, and then like
0: right, which of course is I I have to acknowledge part of a a weird Hitchcockian desire to see blonde women in peril and blonde women um, overcome by stress and guilt. But, that being said, super effective. Makes me really, makes me uncomfortable. Yes.
1: So, uh, I think that makes Psycho number six. That
0: is a great fucking showing.
1: So, let's talk about my favorite movie. Yes. Dracula.
0: Motherfucking Dracula.
1: Okay, so I can watch the first 20 minutes of Dracula every day.
0: (laughs) Well, it's perfect. Of I course, you can watch it.
1: it. Renfro is a gift from the heavens. <laughs> Those Transylvania townspeople. Dra- whose castle? Dracula's? Uh, yes, taking... Dracula's. Castle Dracula? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they are fucking scandalous. The scandalized. people of the mountain. <laughs> yes, you must take the Borgo Pass. And yeah, it's like... so good.
1: And it's so much of that, like, listen up, Englishman. You don't know what you're
0: doing. Oh my god, yeah. And it's great because also, like, which by the way, now that you've said Renfro, I'm just picturing Brad Renfro as Renfield, just completely chewing the scenery. Which by the way, uh, Dwight Fry as motherfucking Renfield is yeah. one of the one of my favorite I, I honestly, I feel like character actors didn't exist before Dwight Fry doing this role.
1: Man, or they weren't even at that level, um, yeah, no. he's so good. And and the first time we meet Dracula and he's in that giant castle and he has basically the that Bela Lugosi voice that created Dracula in public in our public imagination mm-hmm. and he walks through that fucking spider web without disturbing the spider web and renfield has to use his cane to like tear it
0: apart <laughs> oh it's so good oh and man those
1: fucking armadillos for no reason oh at my all. god
0: those armadillos hot me todd browning is a fucking monster for those
1: armadillos man todd browning is so good so yeah i love this movie but you know what bums
0: me out about this movie what's that the Harkers are boring as shit. Oh, no one cares about the Harkers. And I feel I... like... Um, now, my, my, my beef with the Harkers generally is that I feel like Jonathan Harker uh, is very useful as a kind of milk-toast, limp-dick uh, Englishman guy whose sole purpose is to be the conduit through which he meets Mina Harker and then gets eventually, like, killed by a gang of dudes. Like, Jonathan Harker, I I, I feel like this movie kind of acknowledges that a little bit too much, but the problem is that it makes Jonathan Harker the least dynamic character in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he's supposed to be the hero. I mean, the true hero is Van Helsing. He's yeah. doing all the work. But Jonathan Harker's the one that gets Mina back in the end of the movie. And the end is such a like fizzled out ending, and part of that is because of its age uh, it is pre-code, and, right. you know, you kind of watch and go, oh, yeah, they, they're they getting away with a lot because there's not a film board editing movies. Right. But also, they're like, yeah, but we still can't show a man being staked in the heart. So off-screen, <laughs> Dracula dies, and you hear him go, Bleh.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then also, um, I think this movie, like, all right, so a lot of the shit that this movie does, I think, is really clever, which is, like, Uh, The sleight of hand they use to make you think that Bela Lugosi is fucking Dracula, where they've got, you know, they're shining a pen light in his eyes just off camera, and it gives them this bizarre otherworldly quality, and like, you can know all of the tricks that the movie is doing, and still, every time I watch it, I'm just fucking enthralled with Bela Lugosi as Dracula. Yeah, he's so good. Like, that guy's screen presence is just fucking untouchable in this movie. Oh,
1: I also my my most recent viewing. I really appreciate the um, hired help at um, the mansion. The mm-hmm. guy who's just shoots the bats with a shotgun, because... <laughs> right? And he says, "I think they're crazy.
0: They're all crazy. They're all crazy." <laughs> and yeah. he says to the maid, "Even you are crazy." <laughs> How much you want to bet that was just the actor? You know, this was like an eight hour shooting day, and he was just fucking, you're crazy. The craft services are crazy. He just wanders the hallways. And he's got screaming. that
1: insane accent that is like so cartoonishly cockney that it's, it's oh yeah. not. No human being has ever spoken like that.
0: <laughs> an accent no one had ever heard before or since. Um, oh, yeah. So good. I, I mean, you've got that, and then also. Uh, Bela Lugosi as Dracula, like, it's almost one of those performances that we take for granted. Because, like, again, first of all, we all decided that if Dracula ever did anything, it was literally just say the word, blah. Always yelling, blah, that Dracula. And I think Bela Lugosi as Dracula, like, he never reached these heights ever again. Even if he did, like, you know, the Abbott and Costello movies, or he did other stuff as Dracula, but it never had the same effect as Dracula 1931. Yeah, I think it's so fascinating that so
1: many of these Universal uh, Studios monsters, their first movies are really good, and the sequels, barring Bride of Frankenstein and the um, Creature from the Black Lagoon sequel, mm-hmm. kind of shit the bed.
0: I would agree. Like, I think they, they mostly... And I think that that's what paved the way for a thing like Hammer Horror, because by that point, horror sequels, um, I think... They'd almost been given permission to suck by that point, where it was like, all right, so there's not, I I don't know, like, you could, I'm I'm sure that somebody could name one of the Hammer Horror movies as, like, the premier flagship Hammer Horror Dracula movie with Christopher Lee.
1: It's probably the first one, Horror of Dracula, Dracula 54.
0: Yeah, it's probably the Horror of Dracula, but also, it kind of doesn't matter because they just made the same movie over and over again to Diminishing Returns, and I think that that was Hold kind on of...
1: now. Whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If Dracula's my favorite movie, Horror of Dracula is my second favorite, so uh... you watch your mouth, <laughs> young man.
0: <laughs> no, no, I would never, you know... That let's... movie is good as shit. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's very good. I really, really like Dracula, but, like, I, I think... Uh,
1: but definitely this... they start spamming Dracula. They say, like, okay, it works this way, so let's just... We have... Peter Cushing, and Christopher Lee on retainer, so we'll just do the same thing over and over again until one or both say, no more, we want to do other things.
0: Listen, once you start spamming the Dracula, it's all, there's a glut of it, and you kind of don't know how to make sense of it all. But I think Dracula 1931 is another one of those movies that almost, it's a horror movie, but it's kind of, I don't know, like, like, this is... And surely, of course, by this point, there was, like, Nosferatu. There was, like, other stuff that were, like, obviously horror movies. But Dracula 1931 is almost, I think, America's, like, beginning with vampire lore.
1: Yeah, I think it's the the beginning of the obsession.
0: Yeah, because prior to that, like, America didn't really have any, like, homegrown vampire lore. Like, we had imported stuff from other cultures, because other cultures have had vampire myths, but I feel like it wasn't really until Dracula 1931 that America started thinking about vampires. Yeah, and
1: I mean, go to any um, Halloween shop and find, you know, your Ben Cooper smocked Halloween costume or your (laughs) tuxedo Dracula t-shirt, and it's the 31 design. It's the Bela Lugosi Dracula. would. Windows Peak is bella lugosi
0: it's bella lugosi and also i would put forward with the exception of i think the dracula costume from oddly enough monster squad i think dracula 1931 had the best dracula design
1: yeah monster squad's really good but monster squad is universal studios rebooting their franchise
0: <laughs> right which they've also been trying to do for the last decade unsuccessfully. I
1: mean, they also had the van helsing
0: movie <laughs> Which I remember watching that in theaters back in like 2005 or whatever it was, and just sort of like, oh, oh no.
1: I have this weird fugue state where I cannot tell you if I have
0: seen it or not. Have you seen Underworld?
1: I saw part of one of them.
0: (laughs) Then then yes, you've basically seen Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman, (laughs) or no, you've seen. So I I found a copy
1: of that at the local library in the free pile. Cause there's a friends of the library book sale, and then they have stuff that they cannot sell under good conscience, <laughs> even for charity. And Van Helsing was in that pile, so I have a copy.
0: We just I haven't watched it yet. We should we should watch that together over Skype, so I can hear your reactions in real time. Oh um, man. it is transcendently shitty. <laughs>
1: um,
0: and God bless Shittier Dracula. Shittier
1: than Dracula Untold.
0: Oh. Yes, yes. Shittier than Dracula Untold, because at least Dracula Untold has, like, my guy turning into some bats. And it's like, okay. And then Van Helsing is... um The the entire thing was, like, a very bad video game cutscene featuring Hugh Jackman, who would rather be doing anything else. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's so outstanding.
1: where do you want to put Dracula on the list? Is oh, it better God. or worse than Bride of Frankenstein?
0: Yeah, let's start with a contemporary here. Uh, I think it's better than Bride of Frankenstein? Yeah, but here's the
1: thing. Bride of Frankenstein is a good movie from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Dracula has a really strong start and kind of peters out because of the restraints of the time period.
0: You know, now that you mention it, when I try picturing the ending of Dracula 1931, I gotta think about it for a minute. It just stops. It's off-scene... Oh, got
1: him. If you're, if you're, if you are doing anything else, you're going to miss the ending of Dracula.
0: That's actually a really good point where you, you contrast that with the ending of Bride of Frankenstein with We Belong Dead.
1: Yes.
0: Ah, I got to give the edge to Bride of Frankenstein. It's actually better.
1: But the beginning of Dracula is better than the beginning of Bride of Frankenstein.
0: Is it? Well, I mean, because you basically... The beginning of Bride of Frankenstein is basically the, um... Previously... Well, um, you do have Lord Byron Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. No, you've got Lord Byron, like, doing cartwheels and shooting off air horns and doing jumping jacks and Mary Shelley just sort of giving him the sweet D from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia face, where she's just, like, trying to not throttle him. So you've got that as a framing device, and then it it does the like previously on frankenstein and then tells you what happened in the previous movie yeah but
1: dr pretorius is so fucking silly
0: yeah dr pretorius i can't take seriously
1: and that's the thing is like i think dr pretorius weakens the threat in that movie Mm -hmm. and dracula is like a persistent threat throughout the whole film
0: yeah, and also, I, I hate to point this out, but there's a queer-coded element with Dr. Pretorius that I don't necessarily appreciate, which was by no means uncommon in, like, Golden Era of Hollywood, but there's... Also, there, yeah.
1: also pre-code, that shot where you see the dead man on the ship that's just the shadow of a corpse wrapped around the wheel of the ship... Mm-hmm. And they open that cargo hold, and Renfield is just down there. Oh, yeah. And they say, he's mad. Look at his eyes. He's gone crazy. Oh,
0: man, that shot fucking owns, where you just look down into the cargo hold, and there's Renfield grinning up at you. Yeah, going, (laughs) hee-hee-hee. Ain't I a a stinker? And it's him and the rats down there in the hold hanging out. I don't know, man. These movies are like neck and neck for me. I love them both. And picking either of them, I feel like I'm instantly after going to go, well, hold on a goddamn minute. And then I can think of another reason why Dracula or The Bride of Frankenstein is better.
1: So Todd Browning directed a lot of good and you can't even say like okay well todd browning's a better director because then you have um whale directing whale directed his own sequel which yep. says something right there that it was so good that well actually to... that's more of a script issue they kind of had him over a barrel and they're like you actually, got it's do vice it. versa now that i remember it um James Will was like, well, if you, if I'm going to do your sequel, you got to let me do what I want to do, which is a bunch of silly jokes in my horror movie.
0: <laughs> which also is apparently the same barrel that they had uh, Thomas Harris over when they made him do Hannibal Rising. Excellent. Which was, poor Thomas Harris, where it was like, well, uh, we have the rights to your franchise and we're going to do it anyway, so either you write it or we'll get someone else to. And him going, God Damn it, I was almost out! I was almost out! And then he had to, you know, write Hannibal Rising, and it was terrible. Um, Man, but why... So,
1: I don't want to wish this on Clive Barker, but why couldn't they do that uh, with the Hellraiser rights instead of just pumping out trash to keep the the copyrights up to so, date?
0: It's so goddamn upsetting, especially because he just did the Scarlet Gospels, which I would say the first third of it is really good. Um yeah it's i i wish they would and i think it's also apparently that was the understanding that they had was that it was going to be a clive barker written and directed movie featuring doug bradley as pinhead and then i don't know it fell through or something hollywood man sad um, so it ain't better than
1: ghost watch dracula is not better than ghost watch
0: yeah i would agree i i can't put it better than because ghost watch gave kids literal ptsd
1: yeah Which is so ghoulish to say out loud,
0: but yeah. But, uh, you know, it's fine.
1: Dracula is better than Raw.
0: Ooh, is Dracula better than Raw? I
1: mean, if it's as good as Frankenstein, then by logic, it's better than Raw.
0: By logic? That's, uh, actually, here's the thing. Neck and neck, if it's between Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula, I have to give it to dracula because um while i love bride of frankenstein i hate the cultural permutation of the bride of frankenstein after that movie from people who clearly never watched bride of frankenstein so rockabilly bride of frankenstein ruins that movie for you (laughs) yes yes exactly right like the bride wanted nothing to do with the creature's punk ass Like she, she never wanted to, she never wanted any of this. And she instantly, when like Frankenstein is like, Hey, how's it going? She's just like, ah, and like immediately freaks out. And I feel like people are like, Oh, she loves him. And it's like, no, she rejected that. Sorry to interrupt you. Wouldn't that make it better than Dracula?
1: Because Dracula fits, you know, these heteronormative gender roles. And, um, Mm. Bride of Frankenstein says, fuck you, I'm not anyone's plaything.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my bodily autonomy is my own. But then the problem is also that Frankenstein makes that call for her and says, we belong dead. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> You're like... right.
1: It's like, okay, you can't, <laughs> you can either be with me or I'll kill
0: us. <laughs> you will marry me or I will bring this castle down around us. And it's like, yeah, it's like it gives her that moment of agency for a minute before Frank just goes, eh, actually, fuck it. And just Kills everyone, so I don't know. Between the two of them, gun to my head, Dracula, I'm going yeah. with Dracula. Okay,
1: so number twelve is Dracula.
0: Hot damn! So in our in our fiftieth episode, we have a new number six, a new number twelve, and way the fuck down the list we have uh, at number eighty three. It from twenty
1: seventeen. Ryan, why don't you tell our listeners uh, who were brought to this week?
0: Well, this week we are brought to you by, as always, Bombas, uh, the greatest socks you will ever fucking wear. Here's the thing. I am still wearing Bombas socks um, for, since we, we did this last week. I did laundry, uh, w- which is a thing I like to do sometimes. Uh, Bombas, uh, it's it's like the gift you give your gnarled old man feet.
1: Yes, it is so cozy. There is science in these socks there's extra cushioning in the arch there's a heel that's stitched like a y so it actually fits around your heel instead of just you know being a mockery of uh, comfort it's it's really comfortable uh, mm. the dang stay up technology i am a stickler for pulling my socks all the way up and oh yeah they literally cannot slide down because they have just enough elastic in them that they won't slip down on your ankles
0: yeah and these socks especially like they not only are they soft but apparently they uh so bombas um has an initiative right now uh, for the homeless that they're they're trying to every time you buy a pair of bomba socks, they I believe uh, they're doing the Tom's model, I think, right where they donate one.
1: Yeah, buy one pair, get one pair donated. So... Yeah
0: so and it's the dead of winter, so listen, everybody needs socks. Um, and as as I as I grow older at the stately uh, elder statesman level of uh, 31 years old, uh, listen, one you know one of the pleasures I have in my old age is uh, socks. I really like having warm, comfortable feet.
1: So Ryan, why don't you tell our listeners uh, the deal that Bombas is giving new subscribers uh, that like Rank and Vile?
0: Well, if you like Rank and Vile and you like what we do and you also like having warm feet, which is I assume everybody listening, because nobody's out here going like I like having cold damp feet. If you go to Bombas.com/rank, um, it'll give you a little uh, greeting. W- what's that greeting? It's like, "Hi, Rank and Vile horror listener." Yeah, it says, "Hey, you old ghoul, buy you some socks." <laughs> hey you fucking hobgoblin buy some socks um and if you go there and you uh uh go go to uh, bombas.com slash rank you get i think 20 percent off your if first you order
1: use the code rank and vile
0: yeah use the code rank and vile all one word 20 percent off the best goddamn socks you will ever own yes so quincy where can our listeners find us online
1: they can find us on a bevy of social media platforms. You can find us on Twitter, at RankinVileCast, on Tumblr, at RankinVile, on Instagram, at RankinVile. And And if you want to drop us a line, you've got a movie to suggest, you have a movie you need us to watch, you're a filmmaker, you want to be a guest, you want to advertise, or you just want to say, hey, send us an email, RankinVileCast at gmail.com.
0: Yep, yeah. And then uh, also uh, on, on the, uh, the Tumblr, I'm about to post a, a new version of our completed list, which by the way, uh, as of this episode, uh, our 50th episode, we are up to 186 movies that we have, like God himself, decreed which of those is the best and then which ones are less good all the way down to 186. Yeah. Exactly like God.
1: Yeah, for so. sure. So hubris. uh, Keep it spooky. (laughs) Keep watching. uh, Keep watching bad movies. Or if you don't want to, we'll do it for you.
0: Exactly. Actually, that that should maybe be our thing. Is like we watch bad horror movies, so you don't have to. That's other people's gimmicks. So I don't want to take it from them. I don't (laughs) want to. (laughs) We. So our gimmick is we will make judgment calls. On a numerical basis, so that you don't have to.
1: <laughs> I wonder if really? anyone is actually going down the list and watching the movies in order.
0: Oh, I hope so. If you're doing and that, I,
1: please tell us because. Yeah. If
0: if you're doing it and you somehow make it past uh, Attack on Titan Part One, um, you have my you have my thanks and my congratulations, and also never come near my family. <laughs> <laughs> That's, It's like, uh, yeah, you know, listen, if you're out here watching that many horror movies uh, in the years since we've been doing this podcast, I'm very impressed. But also, I fear you.
1: Yeah, it's pretty spooky. Um, So (laughs) have a good week. (laughs) Later, folks.